Welcome to Thriving on the Prairie, a podcast exploring issues concerning families and communities that inspires North Dakota movers, shakers, and community difference makers to engage in lifelong learning. I'm Jan Stankiewicz, Community Health and Nutrition Specialist and Tribal Liaison with NDSU Extension. And today I'm with Katie Jonke, who works for Bismarck Burley Public Health, and we will be diving into Blue Zones work, um, all that's going on in the state and around uh, Bismarck. So Katie, welcome. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role um, with Bismarck Burley Public Health? So I'm the Nutrition Services Coordinator um, at Bismarck Burley Public Health. Um, and what that entails is just focusing on community livability, health, and wellness for the entire city of Bismarck um, and our residents and just looking to make our community a, a healthier place to live. Yeah. And that's a really nice partnership. So to... Full disclosure, Katie and I work um, together on many projects. So Extension and Public Health has a really strong partnership in the Bismarck community. So um, this is a really, what we're going to be talking about today is just a really great um, tie-in for that kind of a partnership. Which brings us to the topic of Blue Zones, which people might be wondering what Blue Zones are. Maybe they've heard of it. Um, but I think in North Dakota, it might be a little bit of a new topic. Um, Katie, what, what is a blue zone or what are we talking about when we, when we reference blue zones? So blue zones are areas of the world that share and benefit from a set of habits um, that they call the power nine. And we can get into those in a little bit, but that help that those practices together help increase longevity, health, and happiness. Um, and individuals that live in these pockets across the world are living well into their 90s, 100s with little or no chronic disease, which is huge because in the United States, what we see is for sure as we age, chronic disease increases. Um, But we're also seeing that in younger ages too. And based off some of maybe our behaviors or habits that we um, take on um, individually and maybe even as a nation. And so these pockets of blue zones really have kind of the, the, if you would, the perfect way of living um, and are great role models for other communities to pick up on some of their, their habits and practices. Yeah. And it really is astonishing. So I think it's, is it five areas across the globe that have these like little pockets of people who live very long in life, have really good quality of life too. So that's something that it's not just about living to be a hundred or more years old, it's that they can live well for that long. And so it is kind of, you know, lots of people, when we talk about health and wellness or food and nutrition, people always want to know what the magic pill is or what's one thing that they can do. But blue zones is kind of like, it's just, it's more about a culture. It's more about just the way things are done. And it is kind of astonishing to see the impacts of those kinds of things that's evident in, in, you know, like the longevity and the low rates of chronic disease, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. It is more about the culture and the whole, the whole way of living, not just the physical aspect and not just trying to reach a magic number um, to say you, you live to a hundred, but you did so um, in great, in a great way and a, um, and a good quality of life. Yeah. So in your introduction, you mentioned the power nine. So let's tell folks what that is and what that kind of means in, 
you know, health and wellness and blue zones conversations? So the power nine are broken down into different areas of um, healthy living. So there's the, the move section, the right outlook section, eat wisely and connect. And so I'll go through each of those and kind of break them down a little bit more um, to start with the move and the move naturally. And what that really comes down to is that the environments, the blue zone environments and what blue zones try to tries to do is create environments that constantly nudge people into moving without thinking about it. So it's just a natural fit to encourage movement and walking um, versus forceful things that are maybe right in your face. It's just things that are done without um, having you really realize it. Um, residents in the blue zones, they move all day because that's how their environments are set up. And so it's just a natural way um, to do so. And their sedentary lifestyle or a sedentary lifestyle of sitting throughout the day won't ne necessarily be fixed by going to the gym, but you need that constant movement throughout the day. And so these people in the blue zones, it's not like they're going to the gym every day. And I'm not saying that you, we don't want you to go to the gym if that's what you like to do, but that's not what they're doing. They're just moving naturally throughout the day at consistent times. And they're finding that that movement is enough to um, improve their physical health. Yeah. And so when we, you know, when we here in the United States, adults should move, you know, 60 minutes, most days of the week, you know, those kinds of things. And a lot of the times we do think go to the gym or do some sort of sport or engage in those kinds of things. Whereas what they found in these blue zones is that they don't have to even like follow those, that 60 minute guideline, because the impact of them moving all the time throughout their day in a natural way, like it makes up for those kinds of things. Is that right? Like, is that? Absolutely. Yeah. They don't have the necessarily, it's not a number. They're not fixated on all, all these rules and um, examples we'll go through aren't necessarily fixed on an exact number. Um, while those are guidelines and recommendations um, that are helpful for people, um, it is just more of that natural way of living um, and just engaging in, in those movements. And so I think if that's something we think about in our communities here, how can you continue to move naturally throughout your day um, that just encourages um, more steps or just more movement up and down versus the constant sitting um, that many of us are familiar with, it, not, not just here in the Bismarck community or North Dakota, but across the United States. Yeah. And I think too, it comes down to, you know, like walking to go get some groceries or walking to the library or to school and those kinds of things. I think that those are all ways that, um, you know, where it gets bigger and beyond our own individual choices. So, yeah. So the next one that we have is um, the right outlook section. And this talks about having a purpose and downshifting. And so thinking of having a purpose is, why do you wake up in the morning? What is your, um, what have you, what is your sense? And this has shown to have significant impact on life expectancy. And Blue Zones has shared that it can, having a sense of purpose, um, can add up to seven years um, of life expectancy, which I think is really significant just by waking up and knowing your your worth for that day. 
Um, and I think that's really something that's internal for people, but something maybe to consider um, if you're looking to add more wellness components to your, your own life um, and really finding value and um, understanding to your day to day. Yeah. And going back to, you know, having, not having like a specific number to meet. So if, and if you kind of reverse it and say, you know, if we don't have a purpose, it can take seven years off of your life. That's kind of, that's impactful and profound. And so I think it's really interesting when you can make, again, like those small shifts or small changes, and then the result is a longer, higher quality of life. That's amazing. Yes. And I think too, for people to understand that you don't need to have this huge idea of purpose or this huge, it can just be something very simple and personal to you. Um, You know, maybe you wake up in the morning because for your family, or you wake up because you, you find value in the work that you do for the community. I mean, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be this um, big, profound impact to the, to your own community, but just something very simple. Yeah. That's a really good point, Katie. Um, And then the next one in that section is downshifting. And this is relating to stress. Um, We know that stress leads to chronic inflammation and long-term chronic inflammation um, is associated with age-related disease and poor health outcomes. Um, So stress really does have a long-term effect on our health. And if we can kind of downshift and, you know, have some routines that help alleviate some of those stressful moments, um, that's only going to benefit your health. Yeah. And I really do think that um, having that downshift where we can live in a community or a culture that doesn't um, put a high value and premium on busyness and productivity and all of those things. So it's, you know, it's, it's almost kind of, it's in all the memes. It's something that, you know, people can brag about, like somebody's a hot mess or they're running and their schedule is insane. And it's almost kind of like a, or it can be used as like a, a, a badge of honor or something. And, how that can really have an effect on, on your health. Yeah. I think you, you said it exactly right that it's not necessarily a good thing to be stressed and busy. (laughs) And one thing that I think this past year, while it was stressful in many ways for most of us um, in the beginning, I think this past year taught us a lot about just enjoying the simple things and family um, because when we weren't able to engage, um, especially at the very beginning of the pandemic, when things were shut down, I really think that was an opportunity for people to downshift. And it was a perfect example of what it's like to just live and enjoy in the moment and not have all of these things pulling um, you in different directions. And I know personally, it was a it was nice to kind of like reset. It was a good reset button and um, trying to carry some of those practices in now as life is moving forward. Yeah, I know. I think, you know, in, in some, in some cases, I think there might've been a collective sigh of relief in some of those slowdowns. Yes. And so I think there's um, good things that have come out with that and downshifting really um just learning to find ways to simplify it a little bit. And that's not meaning you have to say no to everything and you can't participate in things, but um, do things that are important to you and that you really enjoy and find value in 
um, can really make a big difference and can help with um, decreasing your stress in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So then we're getting into the third section of eating wisely. And in this one, um, there's a few different ways to look at that. So they go by the 80% rule. And this messaging is that you stop eating when you feel 80% full. And while that may not necessarily be new information to some of us, um, being able to recognize your satiety and your fullness is important. Um, And that's something we do, you know, message in different um, education tools that we go through, Um, you know, don't eat to where you're, you're feeling stuffed. But the other key piece of this is that the people in the blue zones, they actually eat their smallest meal in the late afternoon or early evening. And then they don't eat after that point. Um, So their larger meal is probably in the beginning of the day, like breakfast or a a brunch style. Um, And then their lightest meal is um, towards the end of the day, which is oftentimes opposite of what um, maybe the culture is um, in North Dakota, maybe even in just the U.S. in general. Um, But that's something to think about, too. Is there a change where you could maybe consider looking at that or trying it out and see see if it helps you feel um, differently? Yeah. Again, those small shifts. Yeah. Trying something else, seeing what might work. Um, and then I think too, some of like the 80% rule plays into the mindfulness and the, and eating without distractions and having it be an experience. You know, if you think about, um, you know, if we are having a family meal at the end of the day or beginning of the day, if we're switching things up, um, being mindful and, and again, that downshift and slowing down a little bit to have that meal, to pay attention to the cues that our body is telling us, you know, those kinds of things. I think that is interesting and, and could also be one of those small changes where it's just slowed down a little bit. Yeah. And maybe even decrease stress levels. Um, as I know, mealtime for some can be stressful. <laughs> yeah. I know sometimes it is at our house too. And so finding those ways to incorporate, um, these healthy changes that may be very simple if um, you kind of just implemented some of the, the key practices. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is plant slant, they call it. But what this is, is just focusing more on beans and lentils as a staple in their diet. Um, and they do enjoy meat, but just not as often as um, maybe the typical American culture diet, um, you would find. So just really focusing on, um, implementing more of those beans and lentils, um, finding familiarity with them to cook, um, and add them into more dishes. And I know NDC extension has great resources for, um, cooking with beans and lentils too. Yeah, I know. And it's really, um, again, not something that, so when we're in the eating wisely, category within blue zones, you know, you, you might expect to have like specific or set guidelines on what to eat and how much to eat and those kinds of things. But again, it's just a way of doing things. It's like what they found. So there's not a, you know, you must eat X number of beans and lentils at every meal or anything like that. It's just, again, what they do and then the benefits that are seen. So again, with the going back again, it's just astonishing. Those chronic disease rates are just so low in these areas. So they must be doing something right. (laughs) Yes. And one other component in their eating wisely, and maybe it's Jen's favorite, I don't know, is their (laughs) wine at five. 
and they enjoy one to two glasses of wine um, a day. So moderation, but regularly throughout the week. Um, and they really encourage you do so with a meal or in a social setting. And they have found the expectancy difference between those that participate in a wine at five, if you will, um, compared to those that don't, um, pretty significantly difference in um, the one that lives longer is the one that enjoys that wine at five. And so I think the key, again, with that is the moderation and doing so in a, in a positive way um, and doing it with family and friends around mealtime. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did say that I think they know what they're doing. So it might be <laughs> something to consider. Um, but in all seriousness, there are, there are health benefits to um, alcoholic beverages as well as wine. Um, so it is something, you know, to think about whether or not it's something that somebody adopts or um, is ready for and those kinds of things, lots of things to consider. Um, but there are health benefits to some of those beverages. And then the last section is, which I think maybe doesn't get talked about a lot and it, we, we are starting to learn more about it, but is there connect section? And this focuses on, um, having a sense of belonging and social presence, um, with others. And so thinking about your right tribe and who is your social social circle that helps support healthy behaviors. So who is your group of people that you, you hang out with, or you um, are surrounds you a lot of the time and what are their behaviors? Um, are they, do they support your goals or do they hinder some of the things that you want to accomplish in terms of a healthy lifestyle? Yeah. And I think my brain goes back to when I was a kid and maybe a teenager, when my mother would tell me, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I think the impacts of that and the implications of who you surround yourself with is um, kind of alludes to that a little bit. You know, it could be a positive thing and then it can also be a not so good thing when my mom was trying to, you know, help me make good decisions in my life. So um, I think it goes back to those kinds of things, but then as well as healthy behaviors. Yeah, that's for sure. That's great. And then another um, kind of statement that I'm familiar with kind of with that is you are the, the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And so if yeah. you think of the five people you are around the most, you are the average of those individuals. And so you have a good group of five in your corner. Um, and so it's just an opportunity to maybe think, are these the people for me? And you can, you know, I think reflect on this at any age in life. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter young or old. Um, the next area that the, the Blue Zones people um, kind of own is their loved ones come first. And so that they really put their family members before themselves and not in a way where they don't take care of themselves, but they just really value their loved ones and want to love and support them. Mm -hmm. And I think too, they talked about um, some of the intergenerational components where, you know, because they live so long, they've got lots of relatives, I'm sure. And so then the way that we take care of them and surround ourselves with our, our family, um, I think that it's really interesting how they, how they do those things and what that looks like with, you know, family gatherings and, um, you know, how things operate within a community and those kinds of things. So 
Yeah. Yeah. That intergenerational connection piece is huge and um, is becoming um, more profound, I think, in our own community um, and across across the United States too. And just something to um, talk about more and be be more aware of um, how you can involve um, those older adults in with younger younger kiddos um, mm-hmm. lives. Yeah, and it's even when you know, the whole, the respect for our elders and those kinds of things, when there's lots of, you know, um, knowledge and, you know, the, the, you know, they're so wise and all of that stuff. It's so true. And so then when those younger generations are able to be around that and things get carried on, you know, I think that just really makes for, um, a really good future and a good legacy in, in, in some way. Yeah. And the last one that we're going to quick just touch on is having a sense of belonging. And so this comes to finding a faith-based community to be a part of. And that can be any denomination, any way you want to participate in that, but just having um, a, a a deeper connection with um, a faith. And so whatever that means to you, they have just found that these components are what these blue zone pockets around the world are doing to um, live long and healthy lives. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the faith-based community, it, you know, lots of times our brain goes immediately to a church or a religion, but that's not necessarily the case. In some cases it is like, it, there's one community that is a Seventh-day Adventist community. And so that's, you know, directly tied to a religion. Um, but in other cases, it's more of a spiritual kind of a thing, or, you know, there's some, some element of divine divinity, you know, so it's, it's not just a one size fits all kind of a thing. Absolutely. And different ways to practice that. It doesn't necessarily have to mean um, physically in a Mm -hmm. a place either. Um, And so I think you said it perfectly. It's just having that, that greater sense of connecting with um, something beyond, beyond you. So um, yeah, the power nine is really a great summary, I think, of different practices we can consider implementing to improve our um, our healthy outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it really does make make you kind of step back a little bit and look at things differently. And again, you know, like you mentioned, Katie, it's not that the recommendations and guidelines that we have in the United States are off or shouldn't be followed in any way. It's just that the way that things are done elsewhere just helps them get to those recommendations and guidelines without even thinking much about it. And so, um, so it's just kind of interesting, you know, how we operate and especially in our world, Katie, where we talk about health and wellness and guidelines and meeting these kinds of things on a daily basis. Um, so then knowing what we all know about the blue zones and what kind of is entailed um, in the different categories in, in the power nine, what does that look like in North Dakota? And what does that look like in Bismarck, knowing that our communities and cultures aren't set up like they are in Italy or Greece or Japan? So how do we, what can we do? Like, what are, where do we start and what can we do? So there are a lot of opportunities that I think we can take from these communities to bring to our state or our own communities. Um, Really, the big goal is 
putting in those nudges in your communities to help people make healthier choices, to help them live longer and live better. And so it can be little things like farmers markets that are available in your community that you can walk to that are that are accessible by um, all modes of transportation. Or it can be having um, so social connections in your community that you have a lot of great groups and um, work to make people find find a place and a, um, a connection with others. And I think to it's connecting practices that are going on in your community to just bring things to the next level. And I love that they use that word nudge within Blue Zones. That's kind of one of their keywords. And if you think about how can we nudge people in our own communities to just maybe make a healthier choice, um, and it can be something so simple. Is it creating safer crosswalks for kids to walk to school? Is it something that's that simple? Um, or is it, you know, having kids have the right hats and gloves to be able to walk to school in the winter? Um, and so there's all these different avenues to go down um, to improve the changes within your own community and within our own state. Yeah, and I really like that example of, um, you know, kids having the right gear. You know, if when it's raining outside in, in Bismarck or North Dakota, our kids don't go out for recess when like, what would it look like if they all just put on ponchos and had, you know, some sort of rain boot or something, you know, and then they could go out and still get fresh air and move their bodies, even when it is raining, because I don't know, like playing in the rain is kind of a fun thing, even for a kid. So um, just those kinds of things. Yeah, where it's not the way that we do things now, but you know, what would it look like if we could? And I think that's where Blue Zones is great. It's not saying you have to, you must, this is the only right way. Mm -hmm. It's saying, let's, let's change the lens and focus on different areas that of opportunity. And like you said, what could it look like? Um, so let's just give it some thought. And maybe it's not the right fit now. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's the right fit later. And so with these constant um, movements towards these better ways of doing things um, because we know they're better if people are doing them and living longer and healthier. Um, it's not going to just change overnight or even in a year's time. I mean, these are long-term changes and behavior changes that it will take for a community, for a state, for a nation to adopt some of these practices. Um, and so being patient with that, but also being willing to go down different avenues and try new things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So switching gears just a little bit. So the city of Bismarck and um, the state, you know, across the state too, there has been some work with blue zones already, right? And so can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on, what might be going on and kind of how we got to the conversation today? The North Dakota Department of Health had an opportunity to work with the blue zones project and bring them to communities in North Dakota and per have community assessments done to take a deeper dive into what is already happening in communities. And fortunately, um, Bismarck was one of those communities that was able to participate. And I was one of the leads on the project. 
um, and helped the Blue Zones team and got to work alongside um, a great group of individuals um, to take a deeper dive into what we have going on in Bismarck, what things we're doing really well, and what are areas of improvement. And that looks so differently in each community too. Um, so the things that are going well here might not be going well in another community and vice versa. And so we had the opportunity to have that assessment done. And then we were provided with um, kind of an outcomes report or of a, a plan of action. And currently there's just some discuss, discussion going on on how do we take that to the next step. And so looking at some um, funding that is needed to possibly take blue zones and implement it to its fullest and take it to that next step. Um, and that is happening at the state level. And so we're kind of just waiting to hear um, kind of the outcomes of those conversations. Um, but nonetheless, being able to have that deeper dive into our community, we're able to, or I'm able to in the work that I do now and um, partner with Extension and other um, partners across our community, we're able to work on some of those things um, on our own and kind of have them brought to light a little bit more and find opportunities to um, continue to improve in those areas. Yeah. And I think that was one of the really neat things. So um, that we, that we saw from these assessments and the work that the blue zones group had done is we do kind of get to step back and see and kind of take a look at all of the good things that kind of are going on in the community and even across the state, you know, when you're in the work or even when you're not in the work and you don't really know some of the things that are going on, it's just kind of nice to have that laid out in front of you and, you know, it's a good reminder that there are good things going on, you know, so we aren't like Bismarck, North Dakota is not a blue zone, but there are good things going on and things that really do um, or can make an impact on, on people's health and, and well-being. So that was kind of encouraging for me. Yeah. And I think too, in, when you work in um, the area of health and wellness and community livability, public health, if you will, sometimes it's hard to, I think, recognize the good things because it's just all integrated in the community and it's hard to really pull out like, oh, what have we done? And so this was a, a nice way to be like, wow, look at what we have accomplished. Look at the partners that we've made. Um, and so it is kind of an old own internal assessment too of even just individually, the people that were at the table, like, wow, we have made progress. Um, and so I think it's great. And if you're able to do that at any level, you don't necessarily need a blue zones project to come in to take that um, assessment of your community mm -hmm. or even of your you know, your organization, it can be done at, you know, what are some of the things that can be done within your own organization that maybe align with some of these blue zones things yes. uh, that it doesn't yeah. have to be this whole big picture if you're not quite there yet. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And so then when you talk about the different assessments and seeing the impacts and the changes that have happened, um, I think also working in the health and wellness field, public health field, it's easy, a little bit easy for us to get discouraged because we don't see the drastic drop in obesity rates. We don't see the drastic change in chronic disease rates and those kinds of things. So I think it's, you know, knowing that it is such a long-term thing that relaying those successes or those kinds of positive changes in a community, um, it can be helpful in having these conversations because other people can kind of get the messaging that there's changes happening. 
It doesn't necessarily mean that we're free of disease and, and the epitome of health and wellness, but that there are positive changes happening. So I think that these kinds of things um, can help with, the, with that kind of narrative. Yeah. And, you know, you think about some of the changes that are done, they may not be done and you may not be impacted, but what about the next generation? That's really what we want to think about is those coming after us. Um, and so granted you may able, you may be able to take advantage of some of the the changes, but it's really for those to come. And it is that it's that culture shift and it's hard to do, especially when we are kind of in a super fast changing world with everything happening, you know, just at the, the blink of an eye. Um, but the things that really matter do take time. And so we need to remember that when we're talking about long-term health and wellness um, and lifestyle changes, that it is going to be a slow um, moving moving pace, but that changes will be made along the way. Um, and people, people will be able to start recognizing that and really see the difference um, as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of tying that um, as we kind of wrap up here, but tying that back to the city of Bismarck and their, you know, support of this kind of work and what that means, like, how do they make the connection? Why does the city of Bismarck um, have care and concern for Blue Zones work? And what does that mean for the their residents? What does that mean for their employees? Um, I think if you've got anything to share on that with their strategic plan or anything like that. Yeah. So the city of Bismarck did go through a strategic plan in 2019. And that was a, again, a deeper dive and assessment into their own, their own community. And what are we doing and what are the needs of our community? Um, And what we found that came up time and time again was that the residents of Bismarck, have a strong passion for their community and a sense of community pride that um, is very unique, I think, to Bismarck. And with that, you know, our leaders and our staff that work in the city, we want our residents to want to live here and want to stay here. We want them to grow up here and stay here. Um, We don't want them to leave. And so in doing that, we need to find, you know, what are these individuals wanting um, and how can we make a community that is, that is a great place to live. And really that's where that community livability. And I love that word because it's like, you think about as a whole, what is our community like in terms of livability for all ages? Um, and so that was done through our city strategic plan. And that's why the blue zones project aligns perfectly. It fits in with all of those pillars that were identified as areas of work or areas um, of focus. Yeah. And I think too, you know, in our world, again, we talk about health and wellness, community health, community livability, but this, the impacts of this trickle into so many other areas. It trickles into the local economy, the, you know, workforce with job retention and attraction, you know, getting um, college students to move here or to go to college here. It really does flow into so many other areas. It really isn't just about health and wellness. So um, I can totally see where the city of Bismarck, you know, having that long-term, their, you know, eyes way down the road and, and what that looks like, you know, in, you know, what does it look like in five or 10 or 15 years? 
Yeah, exactly. It's not just the let's improve your blood pressure type thing. It's yeah. let's really improve your life and your whole your whole body wellness. And so, you know, any everything from community and family and um, financial and all these pieces of wellness that we think about, the Blue Zones projects aligns and fits in all of those pillars of the, um, the City of Bismarck strategic plan to make our community a more vibrant, um, healthy, safe, family-oriented place to live. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And it really does align with all of the work that NDSU Extension does. And so it just is, you know, it, I just, I eat this stuff up. And so it's just so exciting. Um, so Katie, I just want to thank you as we wrap up. Um, this conversation was, it was fun for me. I'm glad that you could join me today um, and walk us through all the Blue Zones work that you've been heavily involved with. So Katie, just so everybody knows too, Katie was kind of um, one of the main people integrally involved with the Blue Zones project and, and likely will be as we move forward. So I'm excited for what's to come and, and stay tuned for more. So thanks for listening to Thriving on the Prairie. To subscribe to the podcast and access a full transcript and resources or links from this episode, visit www.ag.ndsu.edu slash thriving on the prairie. You can find more resources for families and communities at www.ndsu.edu slash extension. This has been a production of NDSU Extension, extending knowledge, changing lives. Thank you.